0: Welcome to Prayers and Ponderings, a podcast of the Heartland Conference of the United Church of Christ. I'm Conference Minister Reverend Dave Long Higgins, and I'm delighted you have found this invitation to a precious pause for occasional prayers and other ponderings that we hope will deepen your sense of God's loving presence and hopefully offer some wisdom from a wide variety of voices along the way. We're delighted you're here and look forward to sharing more with you. And now, the precious pause. The following sermon, The Call of Christ to Be Woke, was preached at the Martin Luther King Day worship celebration held at Woodland Christian Disciples of Christ in Columbus, Ohio on January 15th, 2024. It was a gathering of a group of congregations engaged in racial reconciliation work. Some of the congregations are primarily white congregations and several are primarily of African-American descent. The text for the sermon was Ephesians 5 verses 1 through 2 and verses 6 through 17. Please hear this word. Watch what God does and then do it like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Don't let yourselves get taken in by religious smooth talk. God gets furious with people who are full of religious sales talk, but want nothing to do with him. Don't even hang around people like that. You groped your way through murk once, but no longer. You're out in the open now. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain, so no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true, these are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ, and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. Expose those things for the sham they are. It's a scandal when people waste their lives on things they must do in the darkness where no one will see. Rip the cover off those frauds and see how attractive they look in the light of Christ. Wake up from your sleep. Climb out of your coffins. Christ will show you the light. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly unthinkingly make sure you understand what the master wants this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God amen good evening friends I'm going to tell you uh, it's something to preach a sermon about being awake at 7 30 in the evening right So I may need your help along the way, so I hope uh, you could assist that. Just one little cue. When I go like this, you may want to say the word awake, right? Let's try it. Good, good. Thank you. What an honor and privilege it is to be with all of you this evening. A special thanks to Pastor Eric and Pastor Chris for your kind invitation uh, to join with you in this remarkably important celebration on Martin Luther King uh, Day as we together remember the enduring energy and witness of King's life and words, and in some way take up, allow those to take up residence in our own lives. May our being together tonight continue to join us in a Christ-inspired forward motion that seeks the full flourishing of the human family in answer to a world often resistant and stuck in reverse gear. Yes? Before i dig into our text this evening i want to bring you greetings from the part of the faith family that i represent that is the heartland conference of the united church of christ 322 congregations all of the ucc congregations in ohio one in west virginia and eight in northern kentucky across the river from cincinnati all of us delighted to be joined with you in the ecumenical and interfaith work local and global that we share in its many and varied expressions. And I want you to know that our hearts are joined with yours in this very important engagement of the work of anti-racism and pro-racial equity that leads to justice and joy. Will you join your heart with mine for a word of prayer? O love, you search us out and you will not let us go because you have poured your spirit into us and through us, and through Christ you have revealed to us your will and way, and called us forth to declare your good news of the gospel of healing and mercy, of justice and love. So tonight as we gather, pour your spirit anew on us, bless us with an outpouring of your energy and your passion, your strength, and your vision. O God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, that they might be found pleasing and acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. 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 This evening, for just a little bit, I want to consider together, have us consider together the call of Christ to be woke. I'm sure you have recognized, as I have, that words have a strange way of getting twisted such that the seemingly obvious and even simple can get manipulated into a flashpoint of division. These days, the word woke has fallen prey to such a strange controversy. But Of course, this should not surprise us, should it? Because the closer a word is to evoking an awareness of the truth, the more its use will be resisted by those who benefit from the perpetuation of a world constructed on lies and the status quo. I'm guessing that I'm not alone in noticing this. And while it happened, has happened to other words and slogans like diversity, equity, and inclusion or critical race theory, tonight our text urges us to be woke. Unless we forget this is not some obscure one passage consideration when it comes to our sacred texts. You know it, I am sure, but let me just give you a sampling of how important God feels it is to be. Yes. To Elijah, the angel of God came back, shook him, and said, get up and eat some, you've got a long journey ahead of you. On more than one occasion, the psalmist writes about being woke in Psalm 119, the psalmist sings, I stayed all night, prayerfully pondering your promise. In your love, listen to me. In your justice, God, keep me alive. Proverbs 8 tells us, blessed the man, bless the woman who listens to me. And ready for each morning, alert and responsive. As I start my day's work, when you find me, you find life. Real life to say nothing of God's good pleasure. Then, of course, there's the challenge of the prophets. Isaiah 29 challenges the people, the religious people, the ones who are supposed to be a light to the world, displaying loving justice, mercy, and peace. The master said, these people make a big show of saying the right thing, but their hearts aren't in it. Because they act like they're worshiping me but don't mean it, I'm going to step in and shock them, astonish them, and stand them on their ears. And then, of course, there is Jesus. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> when explaining why he teaches in parables, Matthew tells Jesus, explained it this way. That's why I tell Jesus stories, Jesus says, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward a welcome aning. In their present state, they can still they can stare till doomsday and not see it, listen till they're blue in the face, and not get it. Later in Matthew. Jesus says to those who would follow him, stay alert. You have no idea what day your master will show up. Oh, yes, it's true. Of course, we know that even those closest to Jesus struggled with being awake, right? At the most important time, when Jesus was grieved even unto death in the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh, yes. There in the urgent hour of his most urgent and ardent prayer, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Jesus comes back to the inner circle of his disciples and asks them, could you not stay with me for one hour? Stay that you may not come into the time of trial or testing. Do you see a theme here? It would seem to me that we cannot be people of the genuine, life-giving, wholeness-working, justice-seeking, love-filled faith if we are not right. Yes. To be woke is not just a political phrase. It is a core calling of the Christ life. Because, as the writer of Ephesians reminds us, the alternative is to find oneself asleep, or worse, living a coffin life. A life, ironically, of deadness, or at least comatose, which is nearly dead. To be other than awake is to be asleep. So the earlier church, we are urged to wake up from our sleep, climb out of our coffins, and allow Christ to show us the light. And what is this light? It is the light of agape love that seeks the other's greatest good, not in presumption, but in humility. Again, the writer of Ephesians offers helpful counsel here when it's written, most of all what God does is love you. Do You know this. Most of all what God does is love us. Now, if you want to know what that kind of love looks like, the writer reminds us, observe how Christ loved. Observe how Christ loved. Notice how he goes to the margins and brings to the center of his loving attention those whom the world has either forgotten or deemed somehow unimportant or unworthy of notice, love, and care. But with Jesus, the woke one, there is no caution about who's looking and might judge him. He is not worried that there will not be enough love or health care or food to go around. Ever notice how Jesus enacts universal health care? No matter if it is someone, he should not be touching or should not go near by society's standards, that they're not worthy, whatever that means. They get healed. Ever notice that? Every one of them. Ever notice how the love of God gets actualized in Jesus? When it seems like there's not enough food, there's always more than enough food to go around when Jesus shows up. Always. And enough to spare for a midnight snack. Because when you're awake, sometimes you need that. Yeah. Everyone gets fed out of an abundance that the world often denies. Everywhere he goes, Jesus loves so extravagantly that the generosity of heaven seems to visit earth with such regularity and reliability that people start saying, we have never seen anything like this before. Maybe it's because his persistent prayer, the one we say most often together, is that the kingdom and will of heaven's love would become the lived reality of everything and everyone on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? And you know what happens when people catch a glimpse of this, don't you? The people start to wake up to what's possible. Because the lie of scarcity once exposed to those who have been suffering will not again be easily buried. So the early church gets this word that is just as timely and important today as it ever was. You groped your way through the murk once, but no longer. You are out in the open now. You and I, we're out in the open now. Do you know it? In other words, you are waking up. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours for being awake. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. You, dear friends, some of you who I know and others of you I'm just meeting for the first time tonight. You're already engaged in the life of awakening. You know it. Pastor Eric shared with me about how this coalition that you are for racial reconciliation began in a book study between two men's groups. Chris and I were talking about this as well. And now has grown to include women and other (laughs) churches and even others maybe like me and others who may be here in this space hearing about this possibility of awakening for the first time tonight. What a gift God is stirring in this holy space of coming together to know one another, to discern the leading of God for the wider community in which we live, especially as it has to do with the persistent systemic casualties of racism. I applaud your energy, your commitment, your engagement, and I want to learn more about it and even be a part of it in some way if you will have me. So if I may, let me just offer a few words of encouragement you all in the work of the awakened life focused on anti-racism and pro-racial equity. I'd like to observe three intersecting circles of awakened engagement that Christ models for us that you are already embodying, but which can over time get lost because of the forces of resistance from the wider culture and the force of inertia from within. They are based on the urging from Ephesians, the good, the right, the true These are actions appropriate for daylight hours or for waking up. I'm going to take them in reverse order. They're based on the urging from Ephesians, as I said. The first has to do with the true or truth-telling. It was what I might also suggest is the necessary circle of information, more particularly a piercing honesty about the past. The truth is, friends, You may know this, I'm sure you do. We are inhabited by history. Unavoidably shaped by narratives often constructed out of greed and malice and evil, whose perpetuating energy still reverberates powerfully in the water we all swim in. Yes. Only when we engage a piercing honesty about the past can we burst the bubble of ignorance that allows such energies to persist. That means we must resist any attempt to limit what is taught about history in its fullness, in our public schools, and in our institutions of higher education. It is too easy to be asleep at the wheel of truth's calling. This has often been baked into our systems without batting an eye. How is it, for example, that I did not learn until later in life of convict leasing as a way of continuing to enslave African-Americans in the South long after the Civil War had ended? How is it that I did not know through my public education how Jim Crow laws that imprison people for being out of dark just because of the color of their skin intersected and supported the practice of convict leasing? How is it that I was not taught that these prisoners of the system of white supremacy (coughs) often were leased to the steel industry of the South in a form of legalized enslavement, that resulted in their labor forming the steel that became automobiles built in Detroit that everybody was driving. How is it that I didn't learn about that in junior and senior high school? Was I absent? I can tell you, no, I was not absent. Or was it that this part of the story was absent from the full truth necessary to become fully awake? we must commit ourselves again and again to resisting any attempt to suppress the full story of history with the sleep drug of legally enforced amnesia. Yes? And when such attempts rear their ugly head, we must ask in the public arena, who benefits by our being collectively comatose? The second circle of Ephesians urges us to engage what is right. By this, I would suggest to you the necessity of being formed by the story of others whose experience differs from one's own. This is where I'm standing in the midst of people who are practicing this. You all, in your conversations. it's Work that you're clearly engaging. I applaud you for it. Because, you know, we're not converted by information alone, are we? Conversion is a motion of God, where the heart is opened in love, especially opened by listening to the stories of others. Here, righteous relationships are given space to be born ever anew. That is, relationships that are aligned with the heart and mind of the love of God made known to us in Jesus Christ. Let us keep telling our stories to each other in as many circles of genuine trust as we can engage, knowing that no one story holds the whole truth. Because that's the lie rehearsed by the comatose life of white supremacy. Rather, the story is only right if it includes everyone. Such storytelling, by it, we are opened, as I'm sure you've experienced, we're open to a sacred soul space of another in its complexity, pain, and beauty, and we are mysteriously joined to one another by the Spirit of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. And in such space, we are formed by the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the inspiration that you already are in this vitally important work of wakefulness to each other. The third circle of awakening that Ephesians urges us to engage is the good. It begs the question, given what we know about history, that is truth-telling, given what we have discovered in the richness of each other's stories, forming right and righteous relationships, What is the dream of God for the full flourishing for every human being, and especially for those who have been historically and systemically diminished at every turn? Well, the first two circles ask questions of information and formation. This third circle asks the question of transformation and action. Given what we know and what we have heard from each other, in what way are we called to interrupt the inertia of the comatose life and its death-dealing effects. I know from Pastor Eric that you're already beginning to plan an awakening in this regard when it comes to health disparities for African Americans compared to those of European descent. I applaud your commitment to work for affordable housing, addressing these same disparities. Housing and health care are indeed fundamental, as we know, and foundational necessities to fashion a life of flourishing. Thank you. Thank you for your witness and for your word. Yet, you know as I do, that this mission of love is a marathon and not a sprint. It is a lifelong calling and must not simply be a fad that will fade over time. So dear friends, let us remember the words of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. who once said, one of the great liabilities of history is that all too many people fail to remain awake through great periods of social change. Every society has its protectors of status quo and its fraternities of the indifferent who are notorious for sleeping through revolutions. Today, our very survival depends on our ability to stay awake, to adjust to new ideas, to remain vigilant, and to face the challenge change. Yes, how true, but how will we stay? Let me suggest two things, because this work of racial equity, if left to ourselves, will surely be more than we can fashion on our own. We must be people of prayer and worship, as we are tonight. Not the kind of prayer that some have suggested is an avoidance of action, but the kind of prayer that calls into our best intentions and hopes the power of the one who is the very spirit of life itself, the Holy One. Let there be no artificial division, as there sometimes is, between prayer and action. Second, let there be a vision of joy, of joy, that stands as the perpetual light leading all of our awakening, of joy. That is the prayer of Christ, friends. That we should know Christ's joy in its fullness, yes? I got a glimpse of this just last night. As my wife, Beth, and I got a chance to watch the documentary, American Symphony. Have any of you watched it? It's about the work of artist-musician, John Batiste. If you haven't seen this, I, I strongly urge. There's so much good that's shared in this in this documentary. About the challenge, about the creative process, but also his personal challenge with his, uh, alongside his wife who has been battling cancer. Among the many things that struck me is Batiste's vision of a symphony where no musical style or heritage is left out. Breaking, the usual, boundaries. A composition where each element multiplies the joy. Where the delight of the musicians flows out and captures the audience in an experience of what is possible in and for human community. Where there is a flood of awakening to what is possible when human beings claw their way out of the coffin of the comatose and awaken to the light of a brand new day. Yes? Yes? In the words of Batiste, we have to confront the brutal reality and at the same time have unwavering faith. Friends, this is our calling. Let it be our sacred song and our deepest desire to be woke with the love of God made known in Jesus Christ so that in the words of Dr. King, we may make out of this old world a new world. By God's grace, let it be so. And may we be part of it. Yes. Yes, yes, I give thanks to God for you. I pray for you, for your witness and your work. Godspeed and God bless you all. Amen, amen. 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 We hope that this space for prayer and pondering has been helpful to you in some way. The Heartland Conference trusts that the Holy Spirit empowers us to inspire, connect, equip, and support one another to grow as faithful disciples and responsible stewards following Jesus' call to extravagantly love all God's children and creation. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, we are glad you have journeyed with us, if only for a little while. If you'd like to find out more about our life together in the Heartland Conference, we invite you to visit our website at heartlanducc.org. Blessings on you.